You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, investing in entrepreneurship with Eric Patrick, the hip hop stock doc. T-minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Super excited to bring you another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This is episode 87, and I have a treat for you because I'm bringing on someone who I've seen around a lot in the personal finance space. We met a couple of times at FinCon, my favorite personal finance conference, and his name is Eric Patrick, the hip hop doc stock. Did I say that right? I feel like it's one of those things, if you say it too fast, you'll mess up. Anyway, so Eric is the owner and creator of the Black Market Exchange. He has a social media company, and he works full-time as a pharmacist. He, as you can see, is a very busy man, and he's a father of two and a husband. And we're going to talk all about his journey to entrepreneurship, how he's juggling everything. And then what I love about him is his unique way to bridge hip hop and investing. So talking about investing in a way that we can understand that's more relatable to more people. And so I'm excited to have Eric on the show. Before we get into all the great things we talk about, if you want any of the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 87. There you could pick up any of the books that he recommends and any links that we mention. Also, as usual, would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Don't forget to follow and tag me on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch. Would love to see your feedback and that you're listening. I really enjoy seeing that come through when I'm on social media and you're tagging me about what you liked about the episode and what you learned. Before we get into this great content, I want to let you know about a podcast that I am just enjoying. And I think it goes really well with the topic that we're discussing in this episode. So Dreams and Drive. Dreams and Drive is hosted by Raina Campbell, who is your chief dream driver. And so if you're looking to take your dreams out of park and put it into drive, this is the podcast for you. Raina interviews creatives and lifestyle entrepreneurs who share their personal stories of triumph, keys to success, and tips you can use to stay inspired on your own journey. And I actually always love her lineup of guests. She actually quit her job uh, recently last year. And so if you want to hear about her journey, you can check out episode 172 of her podcast. I was on Raina's podcast. So Dreams and Drive episode 181. And she always has tons of great guests. And so if you are listening to this and you want to just be more inspired by entrepreneurs, just like yourself, people side hustling, figuring out how to put their dreams into drive, check out Raina's podcast, Dreams and Drive, where you can listen to it wherever you listen to this podcast and on your favorite podcasting app. And check out dreamsanddrive.com. All right, let's get into this amazing conversation with Eric. Hey, journeyers, super excited to bring you this conversation with Eric Patrick. Eric is someone I've been following a little bit in the personal finance space, in the FinCon world, the conference I'm always yapping about. And excited to have him on because I really like what he's doing in this space. He has the online content creation space called Black Market Exchange and he helps people with investing and he talks 
to his people in a way that I believe is like really relatable and just something that most people can understand in a way that most people can understand. So I'm excited to have Eric on, not only to talk about that part of just his world, but then also what brought him into the personal finance space. So welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So one of the things that I really like about what you're doing, other than just making investing cool and fun is your own personal story. And usually when I talk to people who are in this space about how they get, how they got started, it's something, it's something that happened or there's some moment in the personal life that made them realize like, wow, I need to be out here like being smarter with my money and investing. So what was that for you? What was that moment or that experience that led you into this space to want to share what you have been learning with others? Um, for me, I'm a so I'm a pharmacist by trade, and for me, it was after graduating from Howard and I moved down here to Dallas, Texas. I, um, you know, I was saving my money, kind of like getting ready to buy a home, just like everybody says you should do. But I realized that I feel like I wanted some more than just kind of saving some money. I wanted to kind of have my money work for me, and I felt like you know investing might be a route to go. So the first thing that I did to kind of dabble into the um, <clears throat> investing world was Facebook had an IPO. And, you know, I was using Facebook. I felt like, hey, this might be a good opportunity. I heard all the hype about it. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and get in the game and, you know, do this investing thing. And so, you know, IPO happened. Facebook's out there. um, $40 a share. I buy it. I think I buy like 10 shares. Next thing I know, the stock goes down to $19 a share within like, I think like a week. And I was like, okay, this is a great introduction to the investing world. Um, but you know, long story short, the stock has since recouped, of course, and I think it's even, you know, probably five times what it was before. So, um, you know, that was kind of like my first sense of kind of getting wet. I didn't really do too much. I just went ahead and bought some shares and just let it sit. Um, to fast forward a little bit, um, how I really got more into it was, um, my wife was, uh, going to be pregnant with our, she was pregnant with our first child. And she was going to be leaving work. So we were like, hey, these bills aren't going anywhere and we're going to have another mouth to feed. We need to have some other means to kind of bring some money in. And so that's kind of when I revisited investing in a more um, in-depth look. Um, I got into, you know, options and things of that nature. And um, it's kind of just been hooked ever since as far as when it comes to investing. So, you know, I would say just one, not really wanting to just only be a saver. I wanted to dip into something else um, along with the growth of my family have really sparked my interest in the investing world. Now, how long ago was that, that you had this Facebook experience with the buying a stock? Um, the IPO was in 2012, um, like spring, summertime. So that was really the first introduction. So that's what, about seven years and I started um, Black Market Exchange in 2014, and that's the same year that my wife was pregnant with our first child. So that's I've been it's been about five years where I've kind of been more so like really focusing in, you know, watching Squawk Box and stuff like that on CNBC, um, really kind of um, head first. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I don't know, and we could talk a little bit about your background growing up, but I think a lot of us we you know, maybe we weren't necessarily horrible with money per se, but we we weren't taught like this next level of money management and investing. We were taught maybe to save and to work hard. So, you know, you had to go to school to be a pharmacist and I'm sure you, 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 you did really well doing that. But then when it comes to like taking your money to the next level, 
the education or thus the knowledge, we, we don't attain anything past that point. And so it seems like you did a lot of self-education to get you to the point where you are now like understanding options and investing. Yeah, that, that's, that's so correct. Um, actually both of my parents are, are bankers and, um, didn't really learn too much about money from them. So a lot of it has been just me wanting to further my knowledge and then, you know, kind of trying to break that cycle where, Hey, my kids don't have to kind of go through the same thing where they have to learn it on their own. So I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Right. And wow, like your parents were bankers and you still didn't like know a lot of these things. That's, that's just seems that's, that's kind of crazy, right? Like that even with the best intentions, obviously like my, like my mom did the best she could. Right. But she didn't, she didn't have the time or energy or knowledge herself to teach me some of these concepts. So it's great that now that you have kids, you are, you're, you're going to, I'm sure you're already talking to them about money. Oh yeah, for sure. They got investment accounts, savings accounts, like they're, they're head first in there. My daughter loves putting coins and you know, like, um, I mean, people don't really do it a lot nowadays, but when you put change in those coin sleeves to take to the bank, mm-hmm. like that's one of her favorite hobbies is just putting money into those coin rollers and taking it to the bank. Right. How old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is four and my youngest, uh, she'll actually be two very soon. Wow. So love that. And they're about the same ages of, of my oldest two, four and two. So I love that. And we're going to get into tips for the parents also about how we can also instill these good financial habits in our kids. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the investment side of things and investing in your journey. So you make and what that's one of the things I really love about your content is like you make investing like cool and you take rap lyrics, you take just the culture, um, the hip hop culture, and you like dissect things that people can relate to. Um, and then you talk about it in terms of investing. Can you talk a little bit about why you do it that way? And then kind of some just takeaways. And I want to go through some maybe uh, some examples. Um, for me, it really just came from when I first started, I opened up an account with a brokerage firm. And they have like a lot of free tutorials, especially a lot of these larger companies. Um, they have, you know, free whip videos in there to how to do this or how to do that. Um, but typically it was a Caucasian male in a, in a suit. And, you know, I'm just kind of like, I'm not Caucasian and I don't really wear suits a whole lot. So is there something else that's kind of out there that really appeals to me that's a little bit more interesting? And so I figured I like hip hop, you know, maybe I can blend the two together. And since hip hop is so, and even just pop culture, as far as like with, with TV news, movies, it's so influential, um, on society that, why can't we just flip it and turn it into the positive light, not focusing on just buying the cars and the jewelry or um, <clears throat> things of that nature? Um, why can't we focus on some of these things that these rappers are doing or just, you know, celebrities are doing that nobody really talks about or the message that they have underneath it? And so I've been able to kind of take that from, you know, I like to use Jay-Z's 444 album as an example where, you know, he dropped a lot of financial knowledge. A lot of people are like, wow. Jay-Z, he's really on it. He's talking about this. He's talking about that. And I'm always kind of like, yeah, I've been doing that since 2014. Like, it's the same. A lot of there's so many rappers that are dropping these nuggets out there, um, especially my favorite is Nipsey Hussle, where um, it's a lot of lessons that kind of can be pulled from it. It's just a matter of taking what they say and then explaining that topic, because sometimes they might mention something where let's use the show Empire, for example, the very first episode of Empire, Lucius Lyon mentioned and we're going to be publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And I guarantee a lot of people do not know what the New York Stock Exchange was or what publicly traded meant. 
So now that's an opportunity for me to educate somebody in an area in something that they're already interested in. So now let me kind of bridge the gap. Right, right. Love that. And it's funny because, you know, with Jay-Z's um, 4-4 album, 4-4 album, he had that song, um, the part in his song, I forgot which song it was, and he talked about Dumbo and that he missed an opportunity of buying something in Dumbo and that made him a Dumbo. That was like the essentially like how it went. And I was like, oh, that's me because I actually I'm Brooklyn I'm in Brooklyn and I did buy something in Dumbo before it became Dumbo and I remember when I posted that like I kind of reposted it and people were like oh like they like they were they were so much more into it that it was like oh I get it like it was it it just hit home a bit more because it was something that they could relate to in a song that was cool and that they loved exactly and I mean when we look at skinny jeans or Diddy rocking a mohawk like Everybody now you see a whole, you know, I'll be honest, you know, black men typically didn't have mohawks. And now all of a sudden you see them everywhere with mohawks. So, you know, sometimes it just takes the right person to portray the message like, hey, this is acceptable for us. And, you know, I I think just taking that information now that we have Jay-Z, where when he first came out, he might be talking about selling drugs. Now he's talking about property and Dumbo. It's going to change the shift of everybody. And I think that people are starting to wake up more and see that. And now it's becoming cool. It's not just some, you know, it's like wearing glasses or braces back in the day. Now people want braces more than they don't want braces. So I think it's just the same concept. It's just a matter of, you know, taking the music industry or movie industry and applying that to money. Right. And Black Panther was one of the movies that you kind of dissected and brought some like money tips out of. Can we just go through some of that? Because, you know, Black Panther was amazing. Um, And so it's one of the things that I wanted to just touch upon briefly. Uh, I know I know I, I loved it as well. And as when I saw it, things just kind of really jumped out to me. Um, one of the uh, first things that I feel like that jumped out to me, and I feel like a lot of wealthy people do this, is is about keeping your money private, like your money matters. Um, you look on social media, a lot of times people will put their relationships on front street or, you know, they'll put their finances on front street. And some things are cool to share, but sometimes Sometimes you might want to keep certain things just to yourself. And sometimes that can even make you a target for people if you share too much. And if you notice in the movie, you know, Wakanda was this hidden world. Like nobody knew that it even existed except people that lived there. And so I kind of took that same concept in that, hey, there are certain things that we can share with the outside world. And there are certain things that still need to be kept at home. And so if, you know, my wife and I, you know, if we do certain things with our money, we can share maybe the strategies or things that have helped us. But we don't necessarily have to go into the exact details of this is the card we have or why we have this or why we have that. It's just more so the process and the and the the mindset behind why we're doing what we're doing. And um, so, yeah, keeping money matters private to me is definitely the first uh, one of the big lessons that I got from the movie. And I love how you made that distinction because it's important to note that, you know, part of it is sharing, right? And inspiring others through kind of the things that we're learning and what we're doing as content creators in this space. But there's also a level of you can still keep certain things private, especially like for safety or for whatever reason, like you don't have to bear it all. Because I know there's like this dance between being too public about things, but then you want to be able to, and I kind of struggle with this too, you want to be able to share enough where people can relate to it and they find like behind the numbers they can see how they can relate it to themselves right right okay so i want to get back i guess more back into the technical side of investing so you teach about options you teach about different levels of investing and for some people that like is all foreign language right so what are some just 
high level investing tips or things that you did to help you get up to speed in all these concepts? Um, for me, it was really just about kind of just researching some more information online um, and then kind of getting in head first. I, I don't believe that people like shouldn't practice with things, especially if it comes to like options or trading, like you should definitely practice. But at the end of the day, you can only read so much. It's like, how many articles can you read about saving your first thousand dollar emergency fund, right? At some point you have to do something to get to that thousand dollar fund. So when it comes to the investing and really, you, you really just kind of have to jump into it and platforms, um, uh, TD Ameritrade has something called Think or Swim. It's a trading software, and they actually give you play money or paper money to use to to trade with. So now you can actually kind of play in the market without using some real money. And then once you kind of feel like you've gotten comfortable or get your feet wet, then you can actually use your real money and then, you know, build upon that. And so that was really my that's really t- kind of my approach with it. Um, and I know I've kind of talked about options. My best example of the way that options work is I like to look at um, a lot of people are familiar with real estate and they want to get into real estate. And so if anyone has ever bought a house, you typically have, you know, like your earnest money that you put down um, or like some type of like a good faith fee where, hey, I'm going to give you like one hundred dollars or a thousand dollars today and you're going to take the house off of the market for me when it's time to buy, it, you know, in 30, 45 days, whatever it is. So options works in a similar fashion in that saying, hey. You own this house and this house might house 100 shares of stock X, Y, Z. I'm going to give you a certain amount of money um, so, so you cannot sell that house or those, that share of, those shares of stock to someone else. Um, in the meantime, someone else comes over and says, you know what? I want to buy that house, too, and I'll pay the owner more money than what they're going to give it to me, the first initial buyer. So – from that, I can sell the rights to the house to somebody else because I own the rights to the house. The owner cannot sell it to somebody else. So now I'm going to say, you know what? Hey, you give me a $2,000 and I'll give you rights to buy this house at the price that, you know, that I'm going to buy it for. And now I flip my $1,000. I made 1000 And now I know somebody else has rights to those shares of stock or the house. And that's the way that I like to look at options. Nobody's ever really buying the house. They're just buying rights to buy the house. That's exactly how they work. Mm, Right. I'm glad you broke that down. Um, I probably have to re-listen to that myself again. (laughs) But I love that option, uh, that um, the concept, because I can when you put it into plain terms like that and then you also like make it like a real concept when it comes to like the buying of the house and it, it, it makes total, total sense. So I appreciate that. When it comes to getting more people of color, black people interested in investing, um, and I want to also clarify what we mean by investing. So we're talking about swing trading, right? Or what investing are we talking about? Like, are we, we're not talking about retirement investing at this point, right? Uh, so far, yes, we've kind of been more so talking about immediate, I want to access something in the next, you know, even few weeks to maybe a year or so. Um, but I do do a lot of more long term stuff specifically for my children. Um, I do a lot of dividend investing and that's more of a long term game. So I I dabble in both of them. And a lot of my focus recently has actually switched more to my kids because not that I'm too late to the party, of course, but I want to make sure that I'm giving them the same energy that I would put into myself to want to make some money. So um, I do dabble in both. And people will see that if they come to my website, they'll see, you know, I have a picture of my daughter on there with me. So 
Um, you know, I, I dabble in both areas. Mm-hmm. And then when it came comes back to getting more people of color, black people to invest in this manner. So I think a lot of people understand like the long term investing. Maybe they if they don't understand, they at least know what it is, you know, retirement investing in 401ks. And there are probably a lot of people who still need to do more of that. But I think when it comes to now this kind of this other level of investing, so not within a retirement account, just outside of that that that's where people actually are have a lot of interest in. Um, but what do you think is some ways in which people can get more involved in that people of color can understand it more? Um, I think it's a matter of the community, such as um, I know you have a community. I have a community. There are many other people of color within the financial space that are willing to educate people. And I think a lot of times if you can find one person, um, you know, kind of, find who you like. Like a lot of people listen to Dave Ramsey and they kind of ride the wave with his baby steps. So when you find someone um, and they speak your language, they really relate to you. Um, I think that that's the, the first step into really getting more people of color in it and showcasing more people of color, such as your podcast where you're featuring people like myself. I think that that's a big way for people to really get exposed to it, especially since podcasts are very popular. Right, right. Okay, great tips. And I also want to talk a bit about just your journey to financial freedom and independence. So you you mentioned you are a pharmacist and you still work full time, right? Correct. And then now you but on the side, you also have Black Market Exchange and you've also started dabbling into other businesses. So can you talk a bit about just your journey into entrepreneurship and your side hustles? Yeah. So um, I also do social media management um, as a side hustle. And to really even tie in Black Market Exchange and um, Doc Designs, which is my social media um, management agency, um, I have this concept that I kind of created from those two called the rule of three. And basically, if three different people ask me the same question, um, I feel like I can make money from it or, you know, have some type of a business. And so Black Market Exchange really kind of stemmed from that. I was sharing things on social media. And um, it, I was sharing things on social media, and I started getting questions not only from people I knew, but people I didn't know. And the same thing happened where once I started Black Market Exchange, after a while, people asked me, hey, who's, who did your website? Who's doing your social media? And when I said that I was, I started getting requests to possibly help them out. And so essentially, I just realized, okay, if three different people are going to ask me the same question, how can I turn this into a business? And I like to I I like to use the example of driving a car. So if three different people ask me how to drive a car, I feel like I must be okay at driving a car. So maybe I can do something with that. And who knows, you know, the next Uber or Lyft might come out of that. But that's kind of really my approach when it comes to starting a business. I like to I don't I, I like to use surveys, of course, to ask people. And people can do this on social media. Just ask them, hey, what is a big challenge that you have in this particular area or just in general? What's one thing that you really want to achieve this year? And then also just just listening to what other people kind of say about you or if they continuously come to you for advice about certain things. I think people just have to be mindful about what other people are asking them advice about and then channeling that energy into saying, hey, maybe I have something here and I can start a business from it and, you know, make some money and supplement my income or even replace my income at some point. Mm -hmm. Great tips, because so many journeyers listening, they they ask me, they're like, you know, I want to do something. I'm not sure what that is. I have some talents, but I'm not sure how to monetize it. And so it's like pretty cool to see that you, while even still having your full-time job, have started multiple 
side hustles. Um, so how do you feel you're able to like balance it all, right? So you have a family, you have this full-time job, and you're running two businesses on the side, which I'm sure really are almost like other full-time businesses. How are you managing to do all of that? Um, I think the first step for me or the first key is um, it's communication with my wife um, because without her support and, you know, I just really wouldn't be able to do it and without understanding, you know, um, especially if if you are in a relationship with someone, that's always going to be a big factor because if you're doing something, that's going to take time away from them or even your kids if you have kids. Right. And um, and I believe that that's that's the first step is just having some type of line of communication. Um, after that, you need to look at, OK, what is the schedule that works best for us? Recently, my wife and I have implemented something where we first tried where maybe Saturdays can kind of be like a, a big work day for me. So I don't have to do too much during the week. But we know that we would like to do a lot of things with our kids on Saturdays. So Sundays after church, that's probably more of a wind down time. So that's going to be a better opportunity. So we just switched the schedule. And so I think that it's, like I said, that communication and then implementing some type of a schedule, whether you're in a relationship or not, are going to be key in how you kind of balance work and in the other business that you have. Um, You know, I work nine to five Monday through Friday. So that's a matter of, okay, what can I do after work and when can I do it during the week? And then what does that leave for the weekend or how should I do things on the weekend to even save time during the week? Because I like to watch, you know, basketball games and football games just like the next person. So I don't want to spend Monday through Friday, literally five to nine working on stuff every single day. And so I think that communication, you know, if you're in a relationship or even if you need an accountability partner having communication and then just having some type of a schedule to follow. Right, right. And I also like this idea of like, being multi-passionate like it's okay to dabble in different things so your your businesses like they don't being a pharmacist i'm sure there's skills you can parlay into the other things you're doing but it doesn't directly it doesn't directly correlate necessarily but it's still things you can excel at and so there's so many people that do have multiple things they're interested in and sometimes it's like well what do i do first or how do i do everything but it seems you found a way to kind of balance that uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I try to. I, I By no means am I perfect. I will never say that I can do everything under the sun. I just try to do my best. And uh, I very I, I believe that if you do have something, you should try to put forth some type of an effort and, um, you know, just continuously assess it over time and say, hey, what does the effort look like or where do my priorities lie? And then, you know, attack things in the way that they should go. Mm-hmm. Now, before we press record on this, we're kind of just talking about like your how you're balancing it all. And we were talking about you working and then doing these side hustles, but saying that you are actually really comfortable, right. In like the position you're in today and doesn't necessarily mean you're just, you know, just going to leave to run your businesses full time. I'd, I'd like to explore that a bit because I recently last year made a change in where I started to do journey to launch full time, left my safe job. So what are some of the considerations for you uh, that you're thinking about when it comes to right, what am I doing moving forward with my career, my life, my side hustles and everything else? Um, for me, it's, it's it's always family first. Like I said, I have a wife. I have two kids. Um, my wife, she was a stay-at-home mom. She recently started um, working again. Um, but what she does, a lot of it is kind of at-home work. So she's still at home with our with our kids. And for me, it's a matter of making sure that they're going to be okay as the primary income earner. 
So, you know, healthcare, what does that look like? If I were to leave my job, what does that look like? Not only coverage, but also cost wise, what will we need to make sure that we can still have the level of um, healthcare coverage that we need to continue on the way that we are? Um, I work at, um, I'm a pediatric pharmacist, so I work at a pediatric hospital. And one of the benefits of our healthcare coverage is as long as they go to a hospital like in our network, our kids get free care. Like that's in, that's, I don't, I can't even put a price on that because kids get sick all the time. And I'm sure you know that. So I think it's just like looking at things like the healthcare side, um, having a consistent income. So of course, in entrepreneurship, you can have ups, you can have downs. I like to think of like a, a car salesman, you know, it's, it's commission based thing. So if somebody isn't buying from you, you're not going to have any income. And so until I have, um, like the level of income coming in on a consistent basis, I feel like that can replace my salary. Um, I wouldn't want to leave yet. And even then, if that were a possibility, is it still worth it um, because of the amount of money that we're coming in? And that's just looking at a grand scheme of things. So to even add in some more detail, um, my wife and I have been able to pay some things off, right? So we paid our car off, I think two years ago. Um, my truck should be paid off by this year. We paid off our last credit card in January of this year. And so all we have left now is student loans, um, our house. Um, well, and my, and my truck will be paid off probably by like the summertime or maybe even the fall of this year. Um, so with that being said, I've been able to increase income, especially with the side hustles, but I'm decreasing my expenses. So it's kind of like allowing us to do other things. Now we can create travel funds or, you know, just any type of thing that we want to. Um, that way we can have a great quality of life. You know, I don't necessarily think that we have to have some robust 5,000 square foot home, but as long as we're comfortable in where we are, I think that's really what matters most. And so when I look at the potential of leaving my nine to five for my side hustle, um, which could potentially be a full time business, I have to weigh in those factors to make sure that my family's going to be, you know, OK. Um, we're still going to be able to live the same way that we live now, because I wouldn't want to, you know, leave a situation. And then now we're kind of in a in a bind. And we're trying to kind of claw our way out or I don't want to have to go through our savings because, you know, we have three months saved. We're working towards six months saved and eventually one year saved. And so I don't want to have to go through a situation where that's going to become a problem and put my family in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. It's it's so the journey is so unique to everyone. And it seems like you also in, enjoy your job. Um because like for a lot of people, maybe it's something they're not enjoying and they, they need to like get out. It's stifling them. They can't focus on the other things in their life. But it seems as though like you are able to to ba- balance as b- best you can like this lifestyle. And so it just reminds me and I hope it people listening, you, you know, you can see that there are ways in which you can reach a level of happiness and freedom, even while having a job, right? You can still find ways to incorporate your other passions and side hustling and working towards your goals. Exactly. I think it really boils down to just having choices. I know Boyce Watkins in a Breakfast Club interview, he talked about having this F you money. Um, so I think it's a matter of having the choice. Even if I'm working, could I leave if I wanted to and still be okay? And if you can put yourself in a position to have choices, then, I mean, that's really where the power is going to lie because you dictate what you want to do and when you want to do it. 
Yes, yes. Love that you brought up choices and options because that's what it's all about. Like no one's saying you have to never work again or quit. It's more that every step you take on this financial journey, paying off debt, like you said, building up a better FU fund. That's one of the things that I did before I left my job. Like all of those steps along the way just puts you in a better position to make choices that that support this life that your best life not this life that someone's telling you to live or that you have to live because you have to pay you know the next bill yeah i think we're so i mean going back to like hip-hop right when you see rappers with jewelry and cars and stuff like i think that we're so like hyper focused on things like that that even entrepreneurship has come in that light where you know you need to quit your job today so you can go focus full time. I mean, a lot of people say that in, you know, the venture capital world where they want to invest in people. And one of the questions they're asking you is, are you full time yet? Or is your team full time? And it's just like, sometimes that's just not possible. Or you just might not want to have to, that might not be the dynamic that works best for you. And so at the end of the day, you just have to be comfortable with what it is that you're doing. And, you know, let everybody else kick rocks if they can't get with the program. <laughs> love, love, love that. And you know, you're totally right. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I was just saying on, I posted a story about how many things I had to do today. And it's not that I'm complaining. Like, I'm very grateful that I can go, you know, drop my son off now and pick him up and be there for special events. But this is no joke when all the cards like lie on you. Like, it's a direct correlation to your effort and just what you're doing to make money versus if, you know, you have a job. It's, you know, you're going to get that income anyway, unless you do something horrible, right? You get fired. But for the most part, if you show up and kind of just half asset, you'll be okay. But like when you have your own business, you, your energy, everything's all in and, and that can be exhausting. And it's not a lifestyle that everyone can actually handle. Right. I agree. Okay. So we're talking about how everyone's journey is different. I'm curious to know how you feel about the financial independence movement. You know, I, I, I find it funny because we have this general personal finance space, right? Where we are all talking about, you know, being smarter with our money and paying off debt. Like that's kind of just like what most of us encourage our audience to do, which is great. And then like when you dig a little bit deeper in this concept of like financially independent retire early comes up. I find that some people are like, ah, you know, like, that's a great concept, but it's not something like I'm working towards, you know. So what is your stance on on this? Is it something you're pursuing? Have you consciously thought about it or are you just, you know, making sure you are just getting your financial ducks in a row and you are financially stable? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm striving to get to that. My, my wife knows that for sure. Um, when I do stuff with my kids, like let's say if I, I take off a day or if even it's on the weekend, um, I took my daughters to a, uh, a STEM event at a preschool um, not too long ago. And my oldest, my oldest was just like, Dad, I love when you come to these things. And I know my wife does stuff like that throughout the week that I'm not able to attend. And so to me, being able to you know achieve fire is going to allow me the opportunities to do those things where I don't have to ask for time off or something like that to just be able to take advantage. Um, I know you just mentioned about how you know, there are times where entrepreneurship can be exhausting because especially with the business side and still juggling, you know, home life. But I think it goes, it just goes back to those choices again, being able to have those choices. So I'm definitely working towards it. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we have our three months of savings. We're working towards six months. We've pretty much gotten rid of all of our debt outside of the house and our student loans. And anyone that knows in the medical field, student loans are very high. So 
I'm almost just like, even if I pay everything else off and I say, if I have student loans, I still might consider myself a part of the fire community because like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how the student loans work. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely striving towards it. We're trying to put everything in place to where, like I said, can live on our terms. Right. And you have the option to, to make that choice if you want to like quit or not. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm like, so, so many people who are in this hustle phase, so they have some debt they need to pay off, they, they have to save some money, like they're, they're moving down the journey or down the road to like this bigger goal of financial independence, and they kind of have to have that job and have the side hustle. I think while it might be a little difficult to juggle everything, that it's the perfect just training grounds for when you make like a move towards and you have the ability to finally quit your job and do something more that you like want to do you choosing to do so it's almost just like while it might seem difficult and you know there's so much things to juggle and how how am I gonna like fit it all in I think actually it's a good thing because when I think back on my journey and how I had to commute and work full time and do journey to launch. If anything, it's prepared me really well for this stage in my life where I'm super efficient and I'm still able to like fit in like all the things that I have to do with my kids and the business and life that comes, that comes up. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate, you know, people like you, I know I saw recently Kendra from the key resource. I think that she left her corporate job. Um, Being able to see people say that because I think a lot of people don't realize that I've had people email me on behalf of black market exchange and think like we were some 10 person team and that was my only gig you know like i really have people have thought that and i'm just like no i'm still at work like you so I, to see people share that story so people can know like hey yes i'm doing these things but i was still working at least at one point in time so people know that it's achievable because i think a lot of times people at least within our audience always think that not that we're superior than them but they just think that this is what all that we do and that's definitely not the case i mean even if you are not in corporate america you still might have like if i were to leave my job today i would still have black market exchange and doc designs so that's still two different entities for two different things and so i think that people have to understand that you know it's it's just a matter of who's writing your paychecks and at the end of the day hopefully it's you writing your own paycheck Mm -hmm. one day if that's your goal right Mm -hmm. yeah if that's your goal correct Okay, now I want to get into a little bit about just like kids and what you're teaching your kids and things we can apply to our children for those of us that are parents. So Mm -hmm. you already said that you are setting your daughters up for financial success. Let's talk about the ways in which you're doing that. Um, The first thing I did was I'm an advocate of savings challenges because um, I read in, I think it's the one by uh, Gary Keller, who created Keller Williams Realty. Um, He he mentioned how people always say it takes 21 days to make a habit, but it's statistics show that it takes 66 days for to really stick and kind of be, be become a part of you. And so I'm a fan of savings challenges because they tend to last a long time and they keep you honest because if you miss it, you're going to break that chain. And so for my kids, ever since they were born, I've been doing the 52 week challenge for them and then putting it into an investment account. And then I buy stocks that pay dividends. Because my outlook is, hey, when you get into high school um, and people always, you know, you're getting these part time jobs working at the mall or at the amusement park and, you know, you're trying to get some money to maybe put gas in your car. I want to give my kids the option to say, hey, you know, I don't even have to work. Like I, I have some passive income from these dividends coming in. 
Plus, I'm not even digging out of my stocks that I have. And if I want to, let's say my kids want to start a business, then we don't have to try to get some loan or where we're going to get the money from to kind of jumpstart it. You know, hey, here's the money here. Let's kind of work on a business plan or something together that you want to do. And then we can implement that. So for me, it's just about doing those challenges and being very consistent. Um, And with my younger daughter, I did the same thing. And so my younger daughter now, she's got. I think about $2,000 in her account and my older daughter has about 6,000. So, I mean, I'm thinking at four years old to have $6,000, like, I mean, I wish I could have another $6,000 now at 33. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I think it's, to me, that's always been what's been important. And after I get that jump started, then I, you know, I took my daughter to, to the bank. I opened her up a savings account. I let the, the teller kind of explain to her like how this works um, you know, she took her piggy bank and it was crazy because my younger daughter, she's a little bit more of the lively one. When I tell you she pushed that piggy bank off the table and it broke <laughs> on the floor, man, <laughs> it, it broke my heart more than it broke my older daughter's heart. Oh, because, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she was like, it's a, it's okay. And I was like, it's not. I wanted you to like do that. So, um, but she got to go through the, go through the steps. And like I said, she put the coins in the, um, the little, uh, coin rollers and stuff. And so, um, now that's going to become natural to her. So when she is older, you know, people are going to, it's just going to be second nature, you know, giving tithe, paying her tithes, um, saving, you know, whatever percent that she, you know, she needs to save and investing. It's going to be commonplace. It's not going to be some foreign language for her. And, um, and those are the steps that my wife and I are really taking with them, um, when it comes to money, the actual, the practical side of it, not just saying this is what we do, but this is exactly how it works. I love that. And I love that with kids, it doesn't have to be a huge amount, right? It could be quarters. It can be a dollar, like feeling money. One of the things that happens in our society now is that money is invisible. Like Mm -hmm. kids and people hardly see it because it's all on credit. You press one button on Amazon. The product is here. How did it get here? Who knows? So uh, for kids, so many of them are growing up in this new age, this technology where they don't even see money. And so you have to consciously teach it to them. And I love, I love some of these examples. And can you just quickly talk about what the 52 week challenge is for anyone who doesn't know? Uh, Yeah, Um, it's real simple. So the first week in the year, um, you save a dollar. The second week in the year, you save $2. The third week, $3. And by the last week, you save $52. Um, Since I have, since I have both of my daughters doing it, I reverse it for the other one. So I'm not going to pay like a whole bunch of money at the end of the year trying to, you know, save money every week. Um, And for those that are doing it for themselves, you know, that's another option as well, where the first week you save 52, the second week 51 and so on. That way, when Christmas comes around, it's not going to be as, uh, you know, hurt in your pockets as much, especially with the holidays. So um, that's that's all that is in a nutshell. You're just saving the dollar amount that corresponds to that week. And by the end of the year, it's it's almost fourteen hundred dollars. Yes, I love love that. And this goes just to show you again how these small changes these small actions can lead to bigger results and same thing with your goals i know so many people like have these big goals of saving x amount and you know paying off all this debt and it's just like you know what to start no matter how small it's you're gonna get there as long as you start yeah to to kind of give really the start for my wife and i like really when our finances changed um i'm not sure you know what religious background people have that are listening, but my wife and I, I mean, we're, we're Christians and, um, I very much believe in tithing. 
And we actually did a, a financial fast where we read a book. Um, I, I can't remember the name. Maybe I can give it to you and you can add it to the show notes or something. But um, it's it was it was eight chapters. So we started the fast. We were two days in. And for those that do a fast, you know that there's really not supposed to be an end date. You're supposed to let God kind of tell you when you should stop. And so at this time, I was reading one finance book. Um, oh, I was reading a finance book one week and then like a more of a self-help entrepreneurship book the next week. And I was alternating. So this week it was a finance book. And this is the book I had been putting it off for like a few days. I hadn't started that week. And so we finally opened it up. We saw it was eight chapters. So we said, OK, this fast is going to last another eight days. And it went through all of the um, biblical scriptures that talk about money from debt to savings to investing, entrepreneurship. And the biggest takeaway that we got was that we were paying our tithes the wrong way. We were paying on our net income and not our gross income. And so we realized that we were withholding from God. So he was withholding from us. And once we made that change, um, he actually that year was when we decided to use a tax person. I was doing our taxes before we decided to use a tax person. And it literally a week later, we got somebody um, and he mentioned to me at my job, hey, I see that. You know, how do you have it set up for, you know, your um, your W-9 as far as for your taxes? And I had it where I'm married, but kind of taxed me as single, because anyone that knows if you've ever talked to a pharmacist or, you know, a physician, dentist or whatever, they'd be like, you know, I'm going to owe this year and I don't want to owe any money. And I'm just the same way. I don't want to have to owe any money in taxes. So I made the change where I added my wife and my older daughter on. And the amount of money that was going to be the increase from tithing on the net to the gross was equal to the money difference um, on each of my paychecks. So not only did we get the difference that we needed to increase our ties, because at the time, you know, we're like, where are we going to get this extra money from to pay that? But we knew we had to be obedient. Once we did that, um, we got twice the amount back that we needed. So we had extra money to put towards saving, paying down debt. Ever since then, it's literally everything has worked for us. You know, we sold our first home, bought a second home. We're able to do a conventional loan. Our mortgage payment went down by um, by a thousand dollars a month, and we were in a nicer neighborhood. We're not thousand dollars. I mean, I'm sorry. Like I think it was like a hundred or two hundred dollars. But we were in a nicer neighborhood. Our car insurance went down um, by fifty dollars fifty dollars a month, and just everything just seemed to be working out in our favor. And so, to me, that's what really jump started us into a better financial um, better financial situation, and it kept us. You know, it made us hunger for more. So what can we do with our savings, with our budget, with whatever to get it on track? And like I said, everything has just been fantastic ever since. I'm glad you brought that like perspective in about just how for you, just your commitment to God helped helped you on your journey because that is something that a lot of people you know they, they have you know god is a big factor in their life they're tied that's part of their budget there's no negotiating that and so it's it's nice to see that your commitment to that and staying true to that for you 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 see the benefit and and it's helped you financially um so i love that you shared that thank you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Eric, tell everyone what where they can find more about you uh, if they want to get in touch and just learn more about investing and what you do. Okay, um, so my company, Black Market Exchange, the website is thebmex.com. That's T-H-E-B-M-E-X.com. Um, they'll be able to connect with me on all social networks there, um, as well as gather more information. Um, you know, I have uh, you know videos on there, blog posts on there. Um, I have a course available, like a zero to invest in five days as well 
And if anyone is interested about social media, I'm actually looking to start training people. Um, so because I want to help people, you know, other people make money in that regard. Um, my doc designs, that's M Y D O C designs.com. And they'll be able to connect with me there also. All right. And I will add all of this to the episode show notes. Thanks so much, Eric, for coming on and sharing your story. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Eric Patrick from Black Market Exchange. So if you want any of the links that we mentioned in the episode, you can go to the episode show notes at journey to launch dot com slash episode 87. And I hope this gives you further inspiration for your dreams, whatever they may be, and on your journey to financial freedom. As you can see with Eric, he's a family man. He is a God-fearing man. He has two businesses that he's running and he's working full time. And so I love bringing on just different perspectives and just people who you can pick out things that you relate to and and learn something from it. Um, And so hope you enjoy that conversation with Eric. Also, later this month, I'm going to be announcing something pretty cool. So stay tuned. Just make sure you are subscribed. You're continuing to listen to the podcast. You're on my weekly newsletter. So if you're not on that, you're going to want to get on it. It's Journey to Launch dot com slash join to join my weekly newsletter. So you can keep up to date on everything that I'm working on. Also, also follow me as Journey to Launch on social media. So Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you're listening to this in the Apple podcast app, that's that purple app on your phone. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and leave a review. You know, I read every one of them and I'll start reading reviews again, probably on next episode. So you never know, you can probably hear your review read next on the episode. All right. So until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.